Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast, where our goal is to equip you with the tools you need to ditch the prayer guilt, grow in your relationship with God, and pray like you and nobody else. Stay tuned for our latest episode after this quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I am joined today by Amy Debrick. Amy is an author, a blogger, a podcaster, an entrepreneur, and a cancer survivor. She's the founder of the Life on Purpose movement and host of the Life on Purpose podcast, where she encourages women to live on purpose instead of out of fear. Um, And I just love that Amy and her daughter Blair have authored the emboldened four week reflection journal, which we're going to be talking about a little bit more today. Um, So Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation today. Me too. Well, before we get into talking about just what you do and your book books, um, what is your favorite prayer closet? We like to each ask each of our guests where you like to go to feel close to God. You know, honestly, mine's very simple and basic, but in my bedroom, really mm-hmm. kind of my closest, closest is when I on my knees and, um, but it's always in my bedroom for sure. So you like to be literally on your knees when you're praying. Yes. When I'm in that like prayer closet mode where I really need to just focus. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's just the best way. And I don't know if it's my bedroom just because, um, I can shut the door and there's just, you know, less distraction. You know, obviously my kids are older now. That wasn't always the case when they were younger, but definitely, um, on my knees when I feel like I really need to concentrate, you know, sometimes I don't know if you've ever done this, but you're praying, but it's almost a distracted prayer because there's the noise around you and all of that. But when I'm really trying to dig deep, um, that's my prayer closet for sure. I love that. I don't know if anyone has ever during this question specified how they like to pray. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I do feel like there's, there's absolutely a time for the totally distracted spur of the moment fly up to Jesus, like, help me, God, please kind of prayers. And, and then there are these times though, where I do feel like it's important. And I think position, you know, kids ask sometimes, well, why do we have to fold our hands? Well, you don't obviously have to fold your hands, but there's just something about prostrating yourself before God in some way. Like I find myself even at church, I, I realized recently, I kind of unconsciously do this. If my legs are crossed, when they start to pray, I uncross my legs. And I don't know, I guess to me, that feels like I'm not entering into the throne room casually, maybe, sure, but right. it's like, I just feel like there's something about your body position that really does matter when it, and I'm yeah. not going to say, of course it doesn't matter to God and to your communication, right. but just to me, setting yourself up for 
you know, that position. It's kind of like when my kids are doing homework and they're like slouched over and they're like, yes. I tell them all the time, the way you hold yourself when you do your work, it kind of affects the quality of your work in some ways yeah. and your mindset, you know? So I think that there's something to that. I love that you brought that up. Mm, I totally agree with you. And I used to say that to my kids all the time. And even in a matter of going and, you know, when they started working and all of that and, and, um, you know, this generation, I feel like is a lot more casual than any generation, obviously Oh yeah. Um, in general, but I'm like, you need to dress to not only just for the person that's receiving you in, in a certain way, but also for yourself. I think you, it gives you a level of, of confidence and, and whatever else you need, but there is, yeah, to me, I agree with you. You know, um, there's something about that of just, um, it does affect you. And I think if you make that connection, it for certainly, like when you said you uncross your legs, like there's a connection for you that you feel like either you're going to get more out of it, or you're going to receive it better, or you're going to, I don't know what it is, or it's more humbling, whatever it is, it does mean something. Yeah, that's good. Well, your ministry is the life on purpose movement. And I, just, I love this, that it's, it's all about looking past our fear into God's plans and purposes for our lives. And I appreciate the fact that you didn't say it's about conquering our fear. It's about looking past the fear. It's about knowing that it's there. And it's like, yeah, you can, it, conquering is probably part of that, but it's like your, your focus isn't even on the fear. It's on what is God's purpose. And that really struck me. And I love this quote from you. Fear is normal but courage gets the final say. So what would that, what does that mean to you? Well, I think almost similar to what you just said, I think that fear doesn't necessarily go away. So I don't know that we can always fully conquer the fear. It's so identifying that fear is normal. We all feel, feel fearful at times, um, but it's living courageously. It's, it's living with intention. It's not letting it, um, you know, dominate your life and holding you back for what God might have for you. Yeah. So I, um, I wrote a blog post a while back years ago about health anxiety, because I, I had a, like, I don't know if it was about, it was months, if not a year of just a really, I don't even know what happened. It was just a very, um, acute kind of anxiety took over me. It, there were circumstances in life. My kids had some health issues. I had some health issues and I, I spiraled and, and I knew truth, but it was so hard. I could not translate that truth to my, to my, my brain. And so I experienced some pretty serious health anxiety, like irrational fears about my health. Um, so I, I just was trying to figure out what to write about one day for a, a, guest post. And I thought, well, maybe I'll write about that. It's kind of embarrassing, but I've never shared that publicly. And I still, to this day, that's the most, like we get the most mail about that or comments and emails about that topic than anything. I ended up posting, we did a webinar about it. And then I ended up posting, um, like a, a posting something from a conference on a, on that topic as, as our podcast, one of our podcast episodes, and it's the highest downloaded episode is right. basically fear and chronic worry. Right. So right. 
what role this obviously has played a role in your life at some point. Can you share what role has fear played in your own life and how have you found a way to look past it? Well, for me, it, it, I mean, I lived with severe anxiety for quite a few years. It weighed on me in the beginning, I would say in my mid twenties, um, I had two major tragedies happen within weeks of each other. My oldest brother and oldest firstborn son passed away, um, totally unrelated, but nonetheless, uh, it was just an overwhelming time of grief. And it, it, I went on to have four more kids and they were healthy, but I, I couldn't, I just couldn't shake that underlying. So I know what you're saying, especially the health stuff. It was irrational, but I couldn't shake it. And um, it was really interrupting my ability to, to live my life. I was just kind yes. of that mom on the hamster wheel. And although you wouldn't know it, if you just, if you saw me or interacted with me, it was internally, you know, I was struggling with it. And, uh, but it's such a joy stealer and it certainly yeah. was for me. And, um, relinquishing control and trusting God was really the only way I could finally get past it. But um, it's not an easy process. And I say this all the time because um, I don't want to mislead anybody into, first of all, like you said, it's, it's very difficult to, to do. And, um, and when you're in a place where you haven't done it yet, I would never want to um, minimize or feel like they're not doing something right. But the reality is for me, even today, it's a daily submission. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm wired in that way. Uh, and I know that I could, I recognize that, that I'm somebody who could potentially be a warrior. And so now um, once I've got a handle on it, I have to give it up to God every single day. I'm with you. My experience is similar in that I have moved past, I think that chronic, like not chronic, um, like acute anxiety where I'm having panic attacks and I'm feeling my heart beating out of my chest. And I feel literally the adrenaline surging in my chest every couple of minutes. Um, right. you know, that isn't happening anymore, but I feel like it's almost like there's a caged animal inside of me that's caged. <laughs> and when certain yeah. things come up, certain triggers, health, um, worry about my kids, things like that. Um, I sense that, at any point it's, you know, the spiral is possible if, you know, and, and that's not to say, like you said, for someone who's in the spiral, who can't get out or who's experienced this long-term that somehow, because we can both say that we're right at this moment, not experiencing that, that somehow we're more spiritual or we read our Bible right. and prayed enough to get it, get rid of it. Cause that's not the case. There are, su there's such a spectrum of worry, fear, anxiety, and there are so many different journeys and paths to living with that. Cause I think it is, it's a living with it and moving past it. But I think for someone that experiences it to a high degree, there's probably always some kind of struggle there throughout. Do you agree? I don't want to I think, I mean, I think there can be for sure. And I think you're right. I mean, methods to overcoming anxiety and fear, um, it, it's unique to each individual. So there yeah. also isn't any one 
cookie cutter answer to say, well, I did this and you did that. And I love right. how you say, it. I mean, it wasn't a matter of just, we, we prayed more than the next person. We trusted right. more than the next person. You know, it's a process. I also took medication at times. I was in therapy. I did anyway. I mean, I did lots of things in addition to that. It's just ultimately that's what the turning point was for me. Yeah. Um, that also had to do with a cancer diagnosis. So I had a few different things put into place years later that, you know, kind of catapulted me in that direction. But no, I, I think that you have to be aware of your triggers, like you said, and, um, and recognize that sometimes, like, even when you're in a good spot, if you know there's the potential there, like you said, right now it feels caged, but you know that there could be the potential for that to be an unleashed anxiety that you, you don't necessarily want to try to rustle back in and get out of control, but the potential's there. So I think being mindful of that is just, I think that's good. I think that helps us stay in a place where we're, we're self-aware and, and, and how to really maintain that in a healthy way. Um, so it doesn't become uncaged. Yeah. And I do believe that there, there's this balance between, okay, I'm going to acknowledge that Yes, I am wired in a way that I tend to be more of an anxious person or more of a worrier. Um, but yes, God has power to deliver. And so I wouldn't want to take away, I haven't heard everyone's story. So I don't want to take away from anyone who says there was my whole life. I struggled with anxiety and there was a moment when God delivered me from that forever. There might be someone out there that's like that, that has no struggle whatsoever. So I would never want to take away from that person's story. But on the other hand, I would not want to, like you said, mislead someone into thinking that that's everyone's experience and that it just comes from asking God to take it away. Because I really appreciate that you mentioned that therapy, counseling, medication, these are all good, helpful ways to move in a direction of healing from anxiety. And so that is, I think some people might feel like if they don't have a deliverance experience that they're not spiritual enough or a Christian enough. And, and that's not the case for everyone. Right. So, right. Hmm. I agree. Well, can you talk about this, the cancer diagnosis as, was that a turning point for you as well? The cancer diagnosis was the turning point for me, for sure. So I had the anxiety. I lived with that for, oh gosh, um, 15 years or better. And, and then when I turned 40, um, I got a cancer diagnosis of Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so that was, it'll be 11 years ago. And at that moment, that was my moment of where I knew it had been such a struggle for me before to shake that fear and to shake that anxiety. And I was just, you know, I became fearful of everything. And so at that moment though, when you're faced with your own mortality, I felt like I was at a crossroads and um, I'm not somebody who's ever had, you know, really heard God speak to me directly or anything like that. But I, in that moment, I could clearly hear him saying, you know, what are you going to do with this? Are you going to finally trust me? And so I, you know, that was my moment of, of relinquishing control, which, you know, I, again, and I think a lot of warriors uh, would say that um, they also have control issues. And I certainly did. 
um, you know, and so that was something that just changed my life. I had to let that go. And, you know, it's so funny. And I, and I say this because for anybody who is struggling with submission and, and surrender, um, it's such a scary thing to do is to, to take your hands off the wheel and let God take over. And it was scary, but the minute I did it, um, it was the most freeing experience is to not be burdened by that daily worry. And I'm sure you can relate in your own experience. I mean, it, it is a freeing thing to live. I, yes, it's scary because we never know what tomorrow's going to bring. But in the same time, it's like you just don't let yourself go to that place of having to worry about it. It's like, okay, I mean, I can't control it. I'm going to do everything that I can do that makes sense in a healthy way. But beyond that, I have to now know and feel good about that. I can't control anything beyond that. That burden does not fall on me. And so there's something freeing about that. And um, that's definitely what really started for me to live on purpose is, was that cancer diagnosis. And I think that is so, I love that picture that the thing that brought you out of anxiety, the turning point was something that you could very easily have been anxious about in the past before it happened to you. Um, that is, yeah. So what did that look like? Like, was there a moment when you prayed to God and surrendered? Was it a process? Like, what did that turning point in your life look like in terms of your relationship to God? What were the steps that you took or that you received? Well, I mean, for me, it was an actual on your knees moment and just giving it up. Um, and like I said before, I, I, I did do that. It, it was extremely freeing. I um, have never looked back. However, again, it's a daily, it's a daily choice that I have to make every day is to, you know, control what I can and give up the rest. And so I think once you begin that practice, um, it becomes more of a natural feeling. My faith became stronger because I was relying on God's strength and not my own, because clearly my own wasn't working. I did it for all those years and I couldn't get myself out of it. And so it was kind of like everything lined up for me. Like I could see it, how it was supposed to be, how it should have been working. Um, you know, because I, things made sense now, you know, like I could do it on his strength, but I couldn't do it on my own. And I think as women sometimes, and I mean, I certainly fell into this, my pride got in, in the way of not just being a control freak, but also thinking that just because I'm capable and, you know, I can do many things that um, I'm capable of everything. And, and there's something prideful about thinking that you have to count on anybody else, even God. And I wasn't necessarily intentionally taking God out of the equation. I was just not intentionally putting him in the equation. So there is a difference there. It wasn't like I was saying, oh, well, I don't need God. I can do this by myself. But I also, because I was so feeling like self-sufficient and self-absorbed and thinking I could do it all and fix it all and be all, I was leaving him out because you can't really have both. That is like earth shattering for me to, to think about this because I've heard you say multiple times there's a connection between fear and chronic worry 
and being a control freak. <laughs> and I have never put that together. Um, I've, I've used the words need for surrender, need for trust, but I had never thought and had never put it in terms of I am, when I am worrying, when I am, you know, chronically worrying about things, it's because I desperately need to be in control. And I mean, that sounds normal. I mean, that sounds like it should make sense. And like that, that should be pretty straightforward, but I had never thought of it in those terms. And I had also never thought of it in terms of, um, I don't know, just, just giving basically understanding that God can do things for us and that we don't have to feel, I guess it's, it's both a feeling of being a kind of controlling person and also prideful in terms of not wanting to have to rely on anyone else, because I definitely see that in myself. And when I look to the root of those fears, like mine, a lot of them surrounded the health of myself and my family, the, but me, the ones that surrounded me, it was, I don't want to be incapacitated to the point where I have to ask for help. And that, wow, that is, that's huge for me just now. And so I know that there's someone listening that that is kind of an epiphany for them as well to understand kind of some of the roots behind that worry and that anxiety. Um, that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, so what would you say, um, to the person right now, the woman listening who is in the middle of either at a crossroads of hearing God saying, well, what are you going to do with this thing that's in front of you? Are you going to trust me with it or not? Or maybe they're just in that, that spiral. Um, what could be a first step? on the spiritual side, obviously a first step, if you have anxiety that is debilitating or affects your day-to-day -day life, you should see your primary care physician and talk to them sure. about medical first steps, health, diet, right. vitamins, hormones, all that stuff. But a spiritual first step, God is always the first step. So what is a first step for that woman? Um, what could she say if she doesn't have the words, what are some of the like highlights of, of a, a prayer she could pray or, or something. I mean, I think the first step honestly is to, and I think as women, we do this, or I'll just speak for myself here is we overthink things. We think they oh. have to be more complex than they need to be. I mean, a simple first step prayer could be God help me. Mm. I mean, that simple. Um, we don't need the perfect prayer. And again, I think that comes just like we, you know, we hesitate to invite people over unless our house looks perfect or we hate to go out and meet up if we don't look perfect. And, and it's the same thing when our, in our spiritual and our prayer life. You know, if we don't think we have the right tools or the, the pretty, prettiest Bible or our Bible isn't marked up enough or whatever the case is, I think we just need to simplify it. He doesn't really care. Um, he just cares that we're reaching out and leaning into him. And so I would say something as basic as God help me. And if you're in a spot like that, in addition to all those other great resources, like you mentioned, that are so important when you are going through anxiety or depression or anything like that, um, that's a great first prayer. And, um, and just remembering that it's okay to admit that we are limited. You know, I think that's another thing is 
because we feel like we're capable and um, certain personalities, I know that's just my personality. Um, we feel like we're capable. And so it's hard to, like you said, ask for help. And so reconcile with the fact that it's okay to, to have limitations. And actually sometimes those limitations can be the most freeing and biggest gifts that we have because without them, we would keep continuing to just keep striving for more and more and more. And so sometimes we just need to lay it down and, and ask for help. And, and I say that for anybody listening um, to the person who like, I, that was not my personality. I was more like your personality. I did not want to ask for help. And um, I didn't ask for help. And so in turn, what happened with that was I struggled way much, way longer than I needed to struggle because my pride got in the way of, of yes, healing too. And, um, and there's nothing shameful. There's no weakness in that. Um, but that was the false truth. I was telling myself, I, I should be able to figure it out. And if I don't, there's a weakness in me that I, you know, and I, it's, there wasn't, it was just my own pride getting in the way. Mm, that is powerful. And I think the most powerful prayers that I have ever prayed have just been God help because I'm at the end of myself and I don't even know what to ask. And the Bible says the spirit intercedes with a groans too deep for words. Like this, when you have the Holy spirit, you don't need to come up with flashy words. You are connected to God through the Holy spirit living in you. And you just need to say help. And, and that gets inter interceded on your behalf, they, it gets translated, I think, into your deepest needs because God knows he knows your needs, but he wants you to come to him. And so I just feel like, you know, sometimes we think, like you said, we need to make it flowery, but sometimes when you're in the pit, the only right. thing that you have energy for is if even help, there've been times when I've just raised my hands in the air and just looked up and my heart has just said help with, without even right being able to utter the words. So that's okay. But then look for what he's going to do. Cause that is the most amazing thing is after those prayers, after you feel like you're at rock bottom, there will be movement. He will meet you there. And that is the most powerful part I think is looking for, okay, where's he going to show up? Cause he's going to show up. Yeah. Well, as you've spoken to women, I'm sure. And just heard their stories, what do you think, what are the, what are the biggest things that cause women to just be paralyzed and keeps them in fear from moving forward into God's plans for their lives? That's fun. It's interesting that you asked that question because I've been um, kind of talking to a lot of women in my community and kind of asking them about confidence and fears and all of that. And it seems like that the top fears that seem to paralyze these women, it, there's a common thread and it's taking the, like taking that brave step towards God's plan is their lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, um, that conflict within themselves of second guessing and how they might be perceived by somebody else and an overthinking. And it's just, rather than putting their confidence in the creator and knowing that they, what they're doing does have value, what they have to say does have, you know, worth and all of that. We, we get in that spiral 
of, you know, overthinking and second guessing. And that seems to be the biggest hang up. I feel like that women are, are fearful um, is they get caught in their own head. And I know, I mean, I, I can totally relate, you know, as you and I are talking, that kind of speaks to what I've already been saying is we just get caught in that, that, that spiral of insecurity and fear and worry. And then it, it trickles into every aspect of our life. And we, and that's why we're not confident. And then we don't trust as well. And then, and our spiritual life doesn't look the way we want it to. I mean, it really, if women could actually, you know, if, if we took a minute to pause and really recognize that, you know, sometimes when we're in the moment, we're focusing on the one thing, right. That's driving fear in us. But then if we could sit back and see how it's really playing out in all the other areas of our life, because that fear is just so consuming and it kind of just weaves in even in places where we we're not even recognizing or identifying it. And so I think that's kind of the biggest thing is it, it the fears just um, overtake people and, and it really and it, and it knocks the confidence down in, in, in their faith life in their personal life and in their relationships and all of that. And so um, it's really been a gift to kind of be able to communicate with these women. And number one, I think it's so important to share that we're, we're not alone, right? You and I are talking, we have two completely different stories, but we can relate mm -hmm. because we've, we've been there. And I think even if to the woman listening that hasn't been to the, de the degree of anxiety that you and I have had, she's felt something, she's had some insecurity, she's had something that's shaken her where it hasn't given her the confidence to live and the way that God would have her living, you know, with, with full joy and on his purpose. And so sometimes we can get in our own way with that. You know, we're so we're in a culture right now where it's all about affirmations. And, um, and so I think sometimes, I mean, I, I believe in affirmations. I think that's wonderful, but I think you have to also, there's a gray area. And I think a lot of boundaries are getting blurred right now between um, self affirmations and knowing our value in Christ and being affirmed in that first, like that's our identity. My identity is, is, you know, being a daughter of Christ and, and what that looks like and, and how I'm living that out. And then everything else is a bonus, right? But when it's all about me and I'm responsible for boosting myself up and I'm this and I'm that and I'm imperfect. I'm going to fall short every time. So naturally those affirmations are only going to carry me so far. Yeah. And I think you, you bring up a good point about kind of the, the shift or the kind of twist to affirmations that are not biblical affirmations that that's going on. I think right now, which is I can manifest anything that I speak. I can manifest myself as a completely different human where I think absolutely we should have goals. Absolutely. We need to stretch ourselves. We need to recognize weaknesses and call out the strengths. But I think we are missing. Sometimes we look and compare. I think that I'm speaking from very personal experience. I look mm -hmm. around me. I compare myself to other people. I think, why am I not like that person? Mm -hmm. So it would be tempting to speak affirmations over myself. I am this, I am, I am this, I am what this person is. Cause I want to be her. Whereas I think we need to look at a, like you said, very foundationally, who are we in Christ? Who does God say we are? But then also like call out your, 
unique characteristics, even the ones that you might consider weaknesses that might be the way God created you. And I don't mean to say, oh, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm lazy because God created me that way. And, and that's good. I mean, okay. not like that, but for instance, I am not incredibly organized. I tend to be, I have a really hard time. And if I could affirm myself to be a different way, I would be a type a super organized, super clean, super tidy, super on top of schedules and things. But I wasn't wired that way. I have put systems in place to help me function way higher than like on my normal level. But what I see there is, and I still, I do struggle with God over this. Why can't you make me more that way? But there are times when God is like that, that is not, there are other things about you that would not thrive. If you were that person, you can, accomplish good things. You can become an organized person in a certain way, but you're not that person that it comes easily to because I made you differently. And so I've, I've seen other areas that may have suffered if I had been in that exact way, if that makes sense. So I guess I think it's so important to call out our strengths as God made us rather than call ourselves into being a different person. We can call ourselves into being more Christ-like. I think that's absolutely biblical and, and we can, you know, speak those things, but I love how you just, you know, focus on, we need to, to submit to who God is and who we are as his children, because there's so much power and confidence in that. There's not confidence in saying something that's not true about yourself. I think that creates a shell, like a house of cards of insecurity. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think too, with the affirmations, it's like, yes, we can, you know, we can you would normally say, but it's with Christ. You know what I mean? Like yes. he he needs to help us get to those points. So it's like right. we we can be and do a lot of things and but are we are we looking to are we looking for validation from him? Or are we looking just to validate ourselves. Oh, that's you know, a I good mean, question. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the million dollar question right now. It's, yes. it's, it's listening. Do I need to silence my own voice for a minute and, and hear what he really has to say in this area? Or am I just trying to validate myself? That's so good because I think that is where the difference lies because yes, he might be calling you to be different than what you are, but it's only with his help that he'll allow you to accomplish those things. And in that way, and, and you do need to ask that question, who, who's, am I, who am I trying to impress? Am I pleasing people or am I pleasing God? If I was still pleasing people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. I just feel like it's, yeah, I feel like that's definitely a, um, an important posture to take. We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. 
I recently started using faithful counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process. But I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor, and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. Well, tell us about your book. I want to talk about Embolden and what inspired you to write this along with your daughter, Blair, who is, you said she's 23. So Blair's 23. Yes. So um, really it was just, it's interesting. I had no desire to write it at the time. I had another whole manuscript ready to go and she was about a sophomore in college and just had the same struggles that most kids her age have. And I think there was also, we had just our whole family, some growing to do in the sense that, you know, she was going to a Christian college and, you know, you make these false assumptions that, oh, well, she's not going to hit many of those same pitfalls because she's at a Christian college. Well, that's for anybody listening. Um, not to say that she, that your kid will, but if they do it, it is not uncommon. Yeah. Um, more so common that they're going to hit every bump, just like, if it was a secular school. And so that was the case. And um, we just kept having lots of conversations and I could tell her insecurities were kind of overriding mm-hmm. her confidence in a major way. And um, not necessarily doing a number on her faith, but having her figure out how to join all the pieces together and move confidently, you know, in her next steps. And so I just said, you know, what would you think if we created a resource? Because I was looking online, like, well, let me see if I could find something for her at school. She could kind of go through on her own. And, um, and I couldn't find anything. And I just thought, well, what would you think about if we created something that could meet, um, first of all, it was their age, like a, you know, young adult Christian woman, um, or uh, a woman who doesn't know Christ at all but could meet them where they were, but not leave them there. And so that was the initial goal and intention we had. And then as we started going through it and we picked these four topics, interestingly enough, I realized, okay, these topics don't age out. So even though we have the four weeks in there with fearless and um, temptation and growth and all of those things, she and I were experiencing them on different levels, mm-hmm. but they were still relevant. And I thought, you know, this, could be really something really of value. I felt like to, to all women of all ages who struggled at all with their confidence levels. And, um, and so that's why we created it. I love that. So can you give an overview of those four sections? Sure. Yeah. So my favorite section, I will say right off the top is the first, which is fearless. Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously my struggles with fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. and, um, I really just think it's really important to just in general, to kind of get to the root of your fear um, at the very beginning, at the very core, before you do anything else is to kind of really hone in on that and work on that first, because it's amazing to me how much your fear 
um, like I was saying before, can really affect other areas of your life. And it, you may not even recognize it. It may be a fear of something, you know, professionally maybe, but it's affecting your personal life. It really can hold you back in more ways than you realize until you really get to the root of it. So it's fearless, kindness, temptations, and growth. And those are the four weeks that we go through. And um, we, you know, we have some scripture in there. Um, and we also have uh, a couple rest days. We have um, uh, reflection um, opportunities. We have journaling. So it, it's something that you can do totally independent um, or you could do it in a small group. We wanted to be able to kind of leave it open uh, for both options. So, you know, in case you weren't connected to any, anybody or anything yet and you're just learning, you know, sometimes those spaces as a non-Christian are very intimidating. And we didn't want it to be either where it felt like it was way over somebody's head and they were like, oh, I, this is not for me. I don't know anything about it. But it also would help the Christian woman dig a little bit deeper that did have some foundational, you know, um, scriptures and stuff like that. So we really tried to make it as available um, as we can and give that feel that, you know, we could be the person that maybe could reach back for somebody and just pull them a little bit forward. You know, I think it's really important for us, especially for my generation to reach back behind and, and pull the next uh, generation up. I think it's easier to judge when we see that they're not where we want them to be, our kids or whoever it is, mm -hmm. but it's more helpful if we could actually help them out and stay with them instead of just warding them off when they fall short time and time again, because that's just what happens at this age. It's not a one and done. And so if we could just stick with these young women and really kind of help them, I think that would be a huge gift and embolden is just a tool in that journey. I love that. That is so good. And it's not just a spiritually uplifting book. It's beautiful. I love you have such a beautiful. Um, yeah, it, it's a gorgeous book. It's you definitely want to get yeah, you want to you want to get a paperback because it is just really a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, so the picture, the pictures in the book, where did those come from? So actually, um, we got most of the pictures, like over 90% of the pictures we got from unsplash. Okay. Um, we use com. that too. We use unsplash yeah. also. They're amazing. Yeah. Amazing. They amazing are. photographers in there for sure. Yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that is great. If anyone ever needs any kind of stock photos, Unsplash is a not a sponsor of the podcast, but they're awesome. <laughs> they are awesome. I yeah. highly recommend them as well. Oh, they're gorgeous. Um, well, I one of the things, of course, I loved the section on prayer. Um, the and so we, you included pray and listen in week three that talks about temptation. So that's, I, I love that the, the temptations chapter. Um, can you talk about the importance of hearing from God and not just spouting off and having a one-way conversation and what that looks like for you? Well, I think, and you probably agree with me, the world is really loud right now. Yeah. Even our There's own a lot heads. Of voices. <laughs> our yes. own heads are just so full our, of yes. information overload. Yes, for yeah. sure. And I think it's hard to really hear God's voice unless we quiet the noise. And I, and I mean, for me personally, like, unless I quiet myself, um, 
I can't hear him speak, whether it's the noise outside or the noise in my head, the noise in my household, whatever it is. Um, I think, well, I know for me, just making a uh, space and allowing a few minutes, even if it's a few minutes, and I mean, literally like just a, a five minutes a day to just lock in with and connect with him just makes a huge difference. And I think those are the times when I actually am able to discern, you know, is this my will? Is this something that I'm trying to will here? Or is this um, your will? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we just need that, that break, but until you take it, it's hard to really hear his voice. I mean, it's just a, it's just a loud environment right now. And, um, and even in the Christian environment, I mean, I'm not saying just secular world all over the map. And so we really need to have our own foundation, our own personal relationship that we can go back to and just say, what is it that you're looking for, for me? Because like you said, with the affirmations and we have hopes and dreams and which is all fantastic and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think really important, but at the end of the day, we have to discern between, is this my dream or is this your dream for me? You know, and um, sometimes we don't like the answer. Um, but I think it's important to listen and try to figure it out at the very least. Yeah. I mean, even our churches and ministry, you know, the things that are good and that are doing things for God's kingdom can take away from the quietness and can take away from, I am very good at hiding behind busyness, um, just because I'm an introvert. And I think that shows up in that way that sometimes like if I'm, I feel like being busy keeps me from, keeps me kind of in my own space, whether it's even within church things, you know, church functions, I'd rather be behind the scenes doing things that keep me busy, that keep me from having to use that energy to engage on deeper levels, even though I love people. And once I do engage, I love it, but it's overwhelming (laughs) for me sometimes. And I think the same is true for our relationship with God, that, that we can busyness can, can make us procrastinate that prayer, um, that prayer time. And it's so important. So for you, I know people ask this all the time and just, how do you know when you're in that stillness, how do you know, is this me or is this God? What are your, some of your tips for how to discern that in, in your prayer time or in your search for God's purposes for you? Well, sometimes I think for me, like if I'm finding myself frustrated, there's something that I'm, I'm working on or working towards, and it just seems like I'm hitting a wall time and time again. And like I said, those are those times where I have to really take a pause and pray and really dig in and ask, like, is this a protection or, you know, do I need to make a pivot here? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think those are the times when we just need to that's, you're just gaining better perspective. You know, sometimes I think the busyness can become an idol because we don't really want to do God's will. We want to do our own will. And so it, you know, that's where I find that asking those questions, you know, do I need to pivot here? Do I need to take a different approach? Is this really something that, you know, um, is this your will or is this my will? Like those, those are the questions that I really feel like for me personally, that's when I'm able to, to get any indication. Um, and I've always had that, like, I always say it's my, a girlfriend and I always say it's like, um, your gut voice, yeah. which I, we always say is our God voice. 
you know, you, you can almost kind of hear it. Sometimes we push it down. Sometimes we try to silence it because it's not necessarily telling us what we, what we want to hear and what we want to do. And that's normal. But I think at some point you, you really need to lock in on that and, and address it. Mm-hmm. Well, in a, a question that you said earlier seems really applicable here too. Who am I pleasing with this? Because you talk about, you know, how we want to do our thing and, and sometimes like I'm a people pleaser at heart and I love doing things that people expect of me. And I don't like saying no to things that people expect me to say yes to, but there are so many times when I've gotten overwhelmed or overextended because I haven't discerned is God calling me to this or are other people, or am I expecting this in myself? Or does this make me feel good about myself? So I want to keep doing it Mm. because of the reward. And yeah. Well, and you're right. And that's where busyness becomes an idol. And I, I would do things sometimes and I would have to, and I would question it after the fact when I was in it, I'm the same as you. I didn't want to let people down. I, I liked doing things, but then I had to kind of decide, okay, am I, Am I wanting to take these extra steps for me or for the person I'm even doing it for? So, yeah, I just, you know, it's definitely a self-check. Well, you've already talked about your favorite section of the book. Um, The, the way I love the way that it's kind of set up where you and Blair take turns. I think that's very cool. What was her favorite part or what was your favorite part that, that she contributed or the favorite, whatever day of meditation, um, she did the, um, well, we, we really did it completely together, but she worked really hard on the images and uh, also the rest days and what those would look like for someone. Um, you know, it's different. We're in two different stages, right? She's a broke college student and, you know, I'm an adult, so I'm doing a little better than she is. And so on the rest days, she's like, you know, we have to make sure that these are applicable to me because my age group, because we don't have the money necessarily to go to a spa. So let's make sure that we can, I can do a homemade facial or certain things like that. So she put a lot of time and intention in making sure that it was going to be appealing and, you know, like affordable or however somebody, anybody could do it. And it wouldn't be, okay, well, you know, I can't do these anyway because I don't have the money to do this or, but I do have the money to splurge on maybe a coffee as opposed to, you know, $200 at the spa or something like that. So um, those were kind of fun things to do. And really just the discussion she and I had together and breaking the, the sections down was probably the best part for me is having her hear from me and my vulnerabilities and what I've experienced. And then it was, so it wasn't just a one-sided conversation. That's beautiful. I just, um, I, I can imagine that that partnership really allowed you to uncover things. I think about the conversations that I have with my kids and so much of it is day to day, unless I'm really intentional about it, but this kind of thing to do with your daughter, I mean, that t- had to uncover conversations about so many things that never would have been dug into had you not written the book together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It was a real blessing for sure. Oh, that's so good. Well, where can our listeners find your beautiful book online and find out, um, connect with you on, on your website and on social media? Sure. Well, I would love, love to connect with your listeners. They can grab the book at Amazon. 
um, right online, amazon.com. Um, and on my website, you can either go to uh, amydebrick.com, which I know sounds daunting to try to remember that spelling. But We'll, um, we'll you, link to it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, or you can do surrenderyourfear.com. It goes to the same uh, homepage. And on there, I have free resources. You can sign up for my weekly encouragement newsletter. And then I even have um, a confidence course on there. And uh, yeah, so I would love to, to connect with anybody. That is great. And where do you like to hang out on social media? I'm mostly on Instagram, but okay. I, I am still on Facebook a little bit. Okay. And what is your handle on those? Just at Amy Debrick. All right. We'll tag you on those when we air the episode so that people can um, can check out your your Instagram and Facebook too. Well, Amy, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. And how can we close out in prayer for you? What are the things we can be praying about for you? Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Um, I always say when people ask about praying, I just say, pray for my kids, pray for this generation of kids. I think it's a, a hard world right now to navigate. And so any prayers for them is any gift I could ask for. All right. And you have four kids, right? I have four kids. Yeah. All right. Well, we will do that. Thank you so much, Amy. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for Amy and just for using the very difficult things that she has gone through, the tragedies, the hardships, the trials to grow fruit and, and fruit that will serve your kingdom by encouraging women, by empowering them, by um, just partnering with them to recognize and look past those fears into the plans that you have for each one of them. God, we lift up these women to you and just pray in Jesus name that you would release them from the strongholds of fear in whatever way that looks, God, whether it's a miraculous one-time release, whether it's a process of spiritual and mental and physical healing or anywhere in between, God, we know that you are the great physician and you are the one who releases us from the bondage of, of Satan's attempts to keep us from the purposes that you've called us to. I just thank you so much that Amy is, um, just has that on her heart to, to help women along their journey to do that. We just lift her up to you. We lift up this book and, um, just that she and Blair would be able to bless countless women with these words and these beautiful images and just this experience of devotion and reflection. Thank you for that quiet space that this, this will create for us to be with you and sit with you and listen for your voice and learn as we walk with you, how to recognize your voice over all of the other noise in our lives. Lord, we just pray for each of her children, each of these four children that you have blessed Amy with, and just ask that you would draw them to yourself just with a gravity they can't escape. Help them to just, as they move along in their lives, to grow increasingly into the likeness of Jesus, that they would grow to love you more as they grow to know you more, and that all of the other things in the world would pale 
in comparison to who you are and who you're calling them to be. God, we pray against comparison. We pray against condemnation. We pray that you would just allow them to be free and just to walk in the abundant life that you've planned out for them and the purposes that you have marked out for their lives, that you have created them so specifically and uniquely to carry out since before the foundations of the world. And we just pray your blessing on, on Amy and her home and her family in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the praying Christian women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.